Hey, what's up? I'm Aaron Dodson, and you're listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. Psalm 119, verse 34, best describes this podcast. The psalmist wrote in the long ago, Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we can keep God's law and that we can observe it with our whole hearts. In this episode, I want us to consider together the need for divine approval, the need for divine authority. And most recently, one of the things that has caused me to think about this more has been what's been going on recently up in Kentucky, uh, the uh, Asbury College uh, so-called revival that's been going on. I want us to consider uh, some things together Uh, about this matter. I want to share some things that a good friend of mine wrote, uh, a fellow uh, evangelist of the gospel, uh, Todd Clippard, good friend of mine I've known for a number of years, and I want to share some things that he has written about this matter. And I'm not going to cover uh, everything, but in one particular post, uh, he wrote about what is going on or has been going on at this so-called revival at Asbury College, he wrote, and I quote, Jesus is not pouring out his spirit at Asbury or anywhere else for that matter. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit as understood in the biblical sense took place in Acts 2 and Acts 10. Those two events were marked with specific signs and miracles by which those who were present could know with absolute certainty that an act of God was taking place. This is not the case at Asbury or other locations where so-called outpourings are being claimed. Now, that's close quote. That's just one part of a post that he made recently in the last couple days from the uh, publication of this episode of the Give Me Understanding podcast. Go to his social media uh, Facebook page and you can read the rest of his comments, which were very good. But I just want to take that one part because I think that's a summary of how God feels about it and how I feel about it as far as is what's going on at Asbury approved of God? Is it truly some kind of pouring out of God's Spirit? Biblically speaking, no, it's not, because those events in Acts 2 and Acts 10 were marked with specific signs and miracles by which those that were there could know with absolute certainty that an act of God was taking place. And that is not the case at Asbury or any other location today. Folks, I'm all for people doing what's right, especially when it comes to the Bible. But to misuse Bible terminology, to misapply the Scriptures, is not good, and it is not helpful at all, which drives me to what I want to discuss in this episode of the Give Me Understanding podcast, the need for divine approval. Again, I'm going to share some ideas, not only from the Bible, but also from an article written by my good friend, Todd Clippard, in some posts that he made months ago, actually, first part of February, some in January, maybe even before that. He did a three-part series called The Need for Divine Authority, and I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to share 
some of those ideas in this episode and then provide my own commentary because it's my podcast and I want to give some of my thoughts as well. I appreciate you listening and I hope that this will be helpful and useful to you as you seek to walk closer to God according to God's word. The very idea, Todd wrote, of acting within the bounds of divine authority is foreign to the vast majority of Christendom. And that's a word to describe Christianity at large or people who profess to be Christians. When you mention or appeal to the truth of God's authority or Bible authority, you get all kinds of unhappy responses. And with that in mind, I want us to consider, is it necessary for us to act in accordance to God's written word. Todd has written, and I thought this was good. He wrote, It was an organizational meeting for Youth League Baseball. Everyone referred to the effort as Little League. As the meeting progressed, several dads were proposing their own ideas as to how the league should be organized and the rules of play. After a lengthy discussion, one sage father said, Fellas, you can do whatever you want. But if you don't go by the handbook, you can't call it Little League Baseball. As I recollect from my hearing of this account, his statement settled the matter once and for all. And you know, that illustration, that example is so good. The closing line of Judges, the book of Judges, gives us a similar account. Judges chapter 21 verse 25 The book of Judges, very wicked and chaotic period, dark days in the period of, in in that time period of Israel's history, was styled, was characteristic of everybody doing what they thought was right. You believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, etc. Judges 21-25 says, In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And I just can't, I can't express it. I don't know if I can express it adequately enough that one of the most painful things to me in all the world is for people who profess to be Christians, people who think they're doing what's right, to be doing the things that they're doing. But through a study of God's word, you know that that's not what the Bible teaches. You know, as Todd has written uh, in this same article, whether it be youth league, sports, a spelling bee, or traffic laws, everyone recognizes the need for objective authority. Authority. Yet, for some reason, when it comes to the worship and service of the God of heaven, there is a disconnect and even a denial that objective authority even exists. And then many proclaim to believe in objective authority when it comes to religion and Christianity, but they deny what the Bible teaches, what the gospel teaches about certain specifics. He wrote, In any study of this type, a defining of terms is certainly in order. Concerning the word authority, he says, I will confine myself to two definitions from the Oxford Dictionary online. By authority, I mean the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience, or the right to act in a specified way delegated from one person or organization to another. Now, the Bible is clear. The teachings of the Bible are clear. 
that God is the source of all authority, religious and otherwise. So consider the following biblical text and and teachings. God is the source and the authority of all life as he created all things. Exodus 20, verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. God holds our breath in his hand, the prophet said, Daniel 5, verse 23. For in him we move and have our being. He gives to all life, breath, and all things, as Paul preached, Acts 17, 25. None of these things were created without the Lord Jesus himself. For all things were made by Jesus, and without Jesus was not anything made that was made, said the eyewitness, John chapter 1, verse 3. For by him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him, Christ, and for him, for Christ, Colossians 1.18, according to the Apostle Paul. Recognizing the Lord Jesus Christ's inclusion and involvement and in creation, that's, that's, that's crucial in reaching a proper understanding of the subject about authority. For right before his ascension and return to heaven, Jesus said, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth, Matthew 28, 18. And the church is instructed to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, Colossians three seventeen. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. To speak in the name of the Lord Jesus, to do in the name of the Lord Jesus, means to speak and do so by his authority, by his approval. This authority is granted solely through the pages of the gospel, the pages of the New Testament. So with Jesus having made this declaration, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth, and we are commanded that whatever we do in word or deed, we're to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus To speak or to act in the name of the Lord Jesus is to do it by his authority. Think back to the old times when, you know, um, on TV you'd see police uh, arrest someone or attempt to arrest someone and they they would yell to a criminal, stop in the name of the law. What was that officer really saying? That officer was claiming the authority of the law to demand that the suspect stop. So it is when we function in the realm of religion. Let's go back to our original definitions of authority. As having all authority, Jesus has the power, the right to give orders, to make decisions, to enforce obedience. This is also why Jesus would make the statements that he did that were so powerful and so exclusive. John chapter 12, for example, verse 48, Jesus stated, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. And then Jesus also taught, John 5, 22, that the Father has committed all judgment to him. So, since all authority belongs to him, 
you know, our second definition of authority becomes equally important. It's only through the authority of God's written word that we are granted the right to act in a specified way as it is through the Bible. And the Bible alone, God's word alone, has the right to delegate authority, to delegate permission, to give instructions that are binding. Let's pause there for a moment and just think on that. Sadly, many think that because God is a God of love, that it doesn't matter how you live or how you act. That as long as you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, it doesn't matter how you worship, the specifics of worship. It doesn't matter how the church is organized or the work that the church does. That whatever we truly believe in our hearts is okay as long as we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Folks, I challenge you. I challenge you. What verse in the gospel teaches that concept? That it doesn't matter what Jesus has said or the apostles have said, that all that matters is as as long as you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you're sincere. In in his article, Todd stated, I well remember a conversation I had with a friend who was serving as a deacon in one of the Baptist churches in our community. He recounted expressing his concern in a deacon's meeting of how it appeared that, quote, instead of praying and asking the Lord to give to guide us, we just decide what we want to do. Then go ahead and do it and then ask the Lord to bless it after we start doing it, close quote. In a much larger sense, this is where the religious world at large has gone terribly wrong. Rather than asking, does God's word permit us to do this? All sorts of other questions, wrong questions are asked. Questions like, will this appeal to the unchurched? Or will this help us get more members or increase our income? Or will this keep us from losing our young people? No thought whatsoever is given, or I might add very little thought, is given to whether or not the Bible instructs us about a particular action, authorizes an action, only questions of of pragmatism. Long story short, there's no way for us to know what is well-pleasing to God in matters of worship and service other than what He has revealed in the Bible. So the need for God's approval. There's no way for us to know what pleases God in matters of worship or service other than what He has revealed in the written word. Go with me, journey with me for a moment, please, to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6. David offered the following prayer to God. Psalm 19:13. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Again, Psalm 19, verse 13. Anytime we act without God's divine authority, we commit the sin of presumption. We presume the Lord will be happy with what we're doing, even though we have no gospel authority 
to substantiate our practice, our belief, our feelings. And that is so problematic. That is so concerning to the individual who knows the Bible. It's so concerning to God because of what we know God has said in his written word. Todd wrote, I can't help but wonder if David wrote Psalm 19, the passage I just quoted, after the incident involving Uzzah, as recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Let's go there and read this together. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Look with me, verse 1. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahi, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Io went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on, on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And God struck him there for his, for his irreverence, his error, the New King James says. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. Literally, outburst against Uzzah. David, verse 9, was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Let's pause there. Rather than seeking the will of God concerning the transport of the ark of God, which could have been easily known from reading Numbers chapter 4, verses 4 through 15. Instead of doing that, David presumed to put it on an ox cart. And according to the parallel account in 1 Chronicles 13, David perpetrated his error with the approval of all the leaders and the people of Israel. 1 Chronicles 13, 1 through 4. And what a grand parade it was, with David and the host of people leading the way, playing their instruments and singing with all their might, 1 Chronicles 13, 8. But this parade would end in tragedy. Along the way, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah, with the very best of intentions, put his hand on the ark to steady it. This error resulted in his immediate death. 2 Samuel 6, 6 and 7. 
still ignorant of God's word. As I just read, David cried, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And refused to move the ark any further, 2 Samuel 6, 9 and 10. Later, in 1 Chronicles 15, please look with me there, 1 Chronicles 15, David later learns of the divinely approved, divinely authorized means to move the ark. 1 Chronicles 15, consider with me verses 1 and 2. David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a city for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. You say, how did he learn that? He either read or someone had to him read, read to him rather, Numbers chapter 4. Numbers chapter 4, verses 4 through 15. So David learned of God's approved means to move the ark. And speaking of his earlier sin, he said, look at verse 12 and 13 of the same chapter, 1 Chronicles 15, verse 12 and 13. He said to these priests, you are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Sanctify, that is, consecrate yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us. Why? Because we did not consult him about the proper order. What? Why did Uzzah die? Because he was a terrible, wicked, evil person that had no sincerity in his heart to help the ark of... No. Because they didn't consult God about the proper order. And that that phrase translated about the proper order could be rendered regarding the ordinance. God had spoken. He had an ordinance on this. So let us pause here and ask a question. How important was the need for, for religious authority in this incident with Uzzah? For Uzzah, it was a matter of life and death. Had they not had it on the cart, sinning the way they were, doing it not according to the proper order, but to their own order, their own way, as sincere as they were, it was a matter of life and death for Uzzah. Today, the matter of religious authority is a matter far more important than physical life and physical death. It is a matter of eternal life or eternal death. The Bible is the inspired Word of God. It provides us with all things necessary in matters of doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. And that's exactly what Paul said when he wrote 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. The Word of God completely furnishes us to every good work. Peter wrote that God's Word provides mankind with all things that pertain to life and godliness, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 
and Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, informed his original readers that the Word of God had been delivered to the saints once and for all. Jude verse 3. That means there's no continuing revelation today. There's no need for it. Sadly, so many think that God continues to reveal His will to us today. Folks, God has already revealed His will. We don't need to ask God to reveal His will to us today. We need to pour our hearts and our minds into understanding the truth He has already revealed. You know, even the verse of this podcast, the the theme verse of this podcast, Psalm 119, verse 34, was written in its own context. David, before all revelation was finalized, said, Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. God was continuing to reveal things to him that he needed to know about the truth because it wasn't all written down. And you can go there in Psalm 119, and you can look up through Psalm 119 and read how multiple times David said, I have that understanding through your word. If you'll give me just a moment, I'll put the passage here in the podcast. Verse, this is Psalm 119, as I mentioned. Psalm 119, verse 104. Through your precepts, I get understanding. You see, verse 130, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So he wanted to understand God's will. Well, part of that was him having it revealed to him. He had no doubt had, you know, what he had at that time through the law of Moses. But he, 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 he sought to know God's will. And we, we understand, again, that this was before the end of the apostolic age, the, the end of the Christian first century period where truth was still being revealed through men on the earth. But Scripture tells us that that truth was written down and it's been preserved. And Jude wrote that Christians in the first century were to contend earnestly for the faith. That's not personal faith. That's, that's the system of faith, the system of truth, which was once for all delivered to the saints. So there's no continuing revelation today. There's no need for it. The Bible is all we need, and by it we are given the right to act in specified ways. To act in any other way is to leave the authority of the Scriptures, by extension, to leave the authority of God. The way of continuing revelation, the idea that God is still revealing truth today, is fraught with error and danger. And those who claim God spoke to me, oh, no matter how sincere, those individuals lack the requisite powers to substantiate their claims. Individuals who were guided by the Holy Spirit directly in the first century, they went out preaching the Word and they confirmed the Word 
with the accompanying signs. Acts 16, verse 17 through 20. Listen to Mark 16, verse 19 and 20. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, who's the them? The eleven, the apostles, verse 14. He was received up into heaven. Who was Jesus? And he sat down at the right hand of God. And they, they who? The apostles. They went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word, the word they spoke. How? Through the accompanying signs. Folks, when you hear or if you hear religious leaders say, God told me, God spoke to me, they lacked the requisite powers to substantiate that claim. The same concept is taught in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, which was a unique thing to those people at that time. Listen to Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, the Old Testament, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward or recompense, a penalty, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. How is it confirmed? Verse 4, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Here's the thing. Those who presume to rewrite God's word through their oral traditions through their creed books, through their catechisms, through their conventions. They do that without the slightest hint of divine authority and are in direct opposition to God's divine decree in His Word that says don't add to or take away from this book. Proverbs 30, verse 6, Revelation 22, 18 and 19 1 Corinthians 4, 6, 2 John 9, don't go beyond the doctrine that's written. God's Word does not change over time. Neither does it change with societal views of morality and sin. Folks, we need to wake up and give respect to God through His Word. The need for religious authority, God's approval, is real. And it's immeasurably important. And anyone who says otherwise is mistaken or purposely misleading you or others. I mean, what verse in its context would somebody use from the New Testament that proves God is continuing to reveal new truths or that the Spirit is moving today as He did in the first century? Where? What what verse teaches that? we got to start challenging this, folks, because it's misleading millions of people probably, hundreds, no doubt thousands. God's Word does not change over time. The need for religious authority is real, and it's immeasurably important. And among the closing words of Revelation are the words, Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Friend, Our relationship with God and our eternal salvation depend on our faith in and our adherence to divine authority. The question is, where do we stand? Are we presuming upon God 
just assuming and thinking and believing and hoping and wishing that God just accepts whatever we offer Him in life, whatever we offer in worship, whatever it is, as long as I mean it in my heart, as long as I believe Jesus is the Son of God, it doesn't matter how I worship. Folks, what verse in the New Testament teaches that? I profess to you, dear listener, there is no such verse. Instead, Jesus said there's a way that we must worship Him. We must do it in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. And he told us exactly what truth is, what that standard, that divine standard is. Sanctify them, Father, in your truth. Your word is truth, John 17, 17. We have what we need. We have the word of God. Do we see the need for divine authority, divine approval? I hope that something I have said has helped you, has influenced you, has reminded you. This does not mean, all of these things does not mean anything that I didn't say that someone might assume. God is not some angry God hoping we'll get it wrong. But that does not change the fact that He has parameters. He has guidelines and specifics that must not be ignored, must not be overlooked, must not be added to or changed. Folks, this is it. God's Word matters. And as Jesus said, if we love Him, we will keep His Word. John fourteen fifteen. We need God's approval. And those people, people of faith, I should say, those who truly love the Lord will seek to follow Him according to His Word once we've carefully studied His Word. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. I hope this has helped you, and I want to thank, even though he might not ever hear this, I want to thank uh, my good friend Todd Clippard for the series of articles, and I've just used it with other verses, turned it into a podcast, something that I think is so needed. Was there anything good that happened at Asbury College in recent days? You know, I don't know for sure. Perhaps. Maybe people there were truly seeking God. You know, I don't know. I can't judge their motives and their intents. But motive and intent alone is not sufficient to please God. We actually have to seek God in His Word and do His will. We can't just mean well. We can't just hope for the best. We can't just give God whatever we want and expect Him to take it. We must be willing to come to God through the Scriptures. That means we, we ascertain what it's saying and we obey it from the heart, as did the Romans. Romans 6, 17 and 18. Thank you so much for listening. If this has helped you in any way, please share it. If you have questions and you're listening, please, you can find me on social media, Aaron J. Dodson, Bible evangelist and Bible teacher. That's the, that's the name, the title there of my page. Okay, You can find me on social media. Send me a private message, and I will interact with you privately. I'll be happy to try to answer any questions that you have. I only want to do what's right. And I trust there are others who want to do the same. But we've got to get this right, folks. We cannot justify things that are wrong. 
because people mean well and we have a sincere heart. We must serve God in sincerity and in truth. Joshua 24, 14. God bless and I'll catch you next time.